0: And welcome to Long Live the Queen, where we talk about the women who made history. And by we, I mean the royal we, because it's just me. This week, our subject is Jaquetta of Luxembourg. This is it, guys. We didn't have to wait long. I mentioned Jaquetta of Luxembourg at the end of last episode, and it's her turn. So here we go. Jaquetta of Luxembourg was born in 1415 or 1417. Not 1416, I I don't know. We're going to go with 1417 because, uh, I don't know, but it seems reliable-ish. So that's what we're going to go with. Jaquetta was the eldest daughter of Peter I of Luxembourg and his wife, Margaret. Peter was a count. If you remember, that is the same rank as an English earl. Her parents were mid-level French nobles. She would have grown up comfortably and was the second of eight children. According to legend, Jacetta was descended from the water goddess, Melisene. The European folk story tells of a nobleman who comes across a beautiful woman in the forest. They fall in love, and she agrees to marry him on one condition. One day a week, she was not to be bothered, and her privacy was not to be intruded on. In the Luxembourg version— this noble was Jaquetta's ancestor, Siegfried, Count of Luxembourg. The morning after their wedding, she magically created the castle of Luxembourg on the Bach Rock, the historical center point of Luxembourg City. On her terms of marriage, she required one day of absolute privacy each week. I mean, that seems fair. Eventually, Siegfried was tempted by curiosity and entered her apartment on Saturday, when he saw her in the bath and discovered her to be a mermaid. He cried out in surprise, and Melusine and her bath sank into the earth. Melusine remained trapped in the rock but returns every seven years, either as a woman or a serpent, carrying a golden key in her mouth. Anyone brave enough to take the key will free her and win her as his bride. Also, every seven years, Melusine adds a stitch to a linen chemise. If she finishes the chemise before she can be freed, all of Luxembourg will be swallowed by the rock. In 1997, Luxembourg issued a postage stamp commemorating her. The story was all over medieval Europe, varying, but usually with a noble man falling in love with a beautiful woman. You may know Melissine from the logo on your Starbucks cup. We don't know if Jacquetta believed this legend, but if I'm honest, I kind of hope she did. Who wouldn't want to believe that she was part mermaid? And she wasn't just part mermaid. She was also part Charlemagne because she was descended from him, too. In short, she was very noble and very French. On the 22nd of April, at the age of 17, in 1433, Jaquetta married John of Lancaster, Duke of Bedford, who was 44. We talked about him last week. He was also married to Anne of Burgundy. So this was four months later that he married the 17-year-old Jaquetta. And he was John of Lancaster, Duke of Bedford, which was just a fancy way of saying John was both the Duke of Bedford and the grandson of the former Duke of Lancaster. All I hear is, Hi, I'm John, and I'm sure you already know who my grandfather was. He was kind of a big deal. The Duke was the third son of King Henry IV of England, and thus the grandson of John of Gaunt, himself third son of King Edward III. Jaquetta's father died of the plague just four months into her marriage. The king was still only 12 years old and enjoyed having the duke's young wife at court. She was considerably younger than the king's other aunts, closer to the king in age than to his uncles. They were almost friends. For whatever reason, the marriage stayed childless. The duke was helping to run the country for his baby nephew king, and his side hustle was alchemy. English alchemists had to veil their true interests, because alchemy had been in illegal in England since 1404. The crown feared alchemy, because transforming lead into gold would have destabilized the country's economy through counterfeit coins. But he was noble, so he was safe with his taboo hobby. Plus, he was also the government, so if anyone was going to figure it out, it should be him, right? The duke then died in 1435, just two years into their marriage, at the age of only 46. Jaquetta was only 19, a 19-year-old dowager duchess. As was customary at the time, Jaquetta retained the title of her first husband after her second marriage, and was always known as Duchess Bedford, this being higher than the title of countess that she would later acquire. Jaquetta inherited one third of the duke's main estates as her widow's share, which was a lot. He was a very, very wealthy man. Jaquetta was now a wealthy teenage dowager royal duchess, but she had an example set for her a few years before. A few years before her arrival, the king's young mother had also been widowed at the young age of twenty. She was a young French girl who had recently arrived in England for a marriage and after only a year and a half of marriage, her husband had died. And what had she done? Ran off with a common man who worked in her household. And it was totally fine. She was living out in the country with her common husband, Owen Tudor, and their children. No punishment. It would appear to many that it was a royal lady's prerogative. One marriage for duty, one marriage for love. It was only fair. The young king, now fourteen, sent for his widowed aunt to come back to court. One of Bedford's knights, Sir Richard Woodville, was commissioned by the king to escort her back. He was cute and young, about thirty, and worked in her household. He was perfect. He was her Owen tutor. I don't know if she knew about the similarities with her sister-in-law, but it had had been quite a scandal at court, and it seems likely she would have heard it. During the journey, Jaquetta and Richard fell in love and secretly got married. After all, secret marriages were all the rage. After all, it was much easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. She was certainly not going to get permission. With Jaquetta getting her inheritance from her late husband, one of the conditions was that she not remarry without the king's permission. But Queen Catherine had the same deal, and she had ignored it, and everything was totally fine. When the king found out, His aunt had followed in his mother's footsteps. He was furious, but he did not put either of them in jail. Instead, he fined them a thousand pounds. Her annual dower income after the death of her first husband was between seven and eight thousand pounds. So it would have been about one eighth of her annual income. A lot of money, but doable and far better than losing everything. It was only equivalent to about a month and a half worth of income. But she was, after all, likely the king's favorite. She was at least his favorite aunt, and the one that he was closest to. The marriage was successful, and the couple seemed in love. They were living, hashtag no regrets. Even after Catherine died, and Owen was arrested, they kept on keeping on. They had, spoiler alert, 14 children. They started a family immediately, with their daughter Elizabeth being born in 1437. Once she was pregnant, they admitted to the secret wedding. The ruling families of Luxembourg and England demanded this marriage be annulled. They saw Richard Woodville as a gold digger who had married far above his station. I can only assume he was super hot and had a really good personality. But it was too late. A baby was on the way and an annulment wouldn't happen. And this baby, Lady Elizabeth, would eventually become Queen of England. So stay tuned for her story. Elizabeth was followed by Louis in 38, Anne in 39, and Anthony, born in 40. That's right, the young couple were averaging a baby every single year. Four babies in four years. Sounds incredibly exhausting. It was around now that Jaquetta's sister-in-law from her first marriage was accused of witchcraft. Eleanor Cobham, the wife of the king's other uncle, had visited astrologers who had predicted serious illness for the teenage king. And the teenage king was upset when he heard the rumors. He hired his own astrologist, and they said, No, absolutely not. Your dumb aunt got discount astrologers, or she's plotting your death. So the king's only other aunt was sent to life in prison. But first, she had to do three separate shame walks through town. Think Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. During this time, Richard was still a knight he fought under both the Earl of Salisbury and the Duke of York. The reason this is notable is because the Wars of the Roses is about to break out in a decade or so. Salisbury and York will both be on the Yorkist side, and Richard Woodville and the King will both be on the Lancastrian side. Well, until Richard Woodville wasn't. But for now, they're all on the same side, and I think that's nice, even though I know they will all die fighting in that very same war. Jaquetta was still the aunt of the king, through her first marriage to the Duke of Bedford. She was still a favorite of the king, even though she married Richard against his wishes. Jaquetta had her fifth child in 1444, named John. As a dowager duchess, she was still the highest ranked woman in the country, and a French noblewoman, even though her husband Richard was common. This is probably why just after John's birth, Jaquetta and Richard were asked by her nephew, the king, to go retrieve his new bride to be, the niece of the king of France, Margaret of Anjou. Jaquetta, by this time, was a 30 year old mother of five, and the new queen to be was 15. But they were both French, so while there was a 15 year age gap between the two of, of them, they still had a lot in common, and they became good friends. Jaquetta would have been able to converse with Margaret in French and help her to learn some of the English customs she would need as the new Queen of England. The following year, the king married Queen Margaret, and she became the only woman at court who outranked her friend Jaquetta, and Jaquetta became the queen's head lady-in-waiting. Once back in England, Jaquetta and Richard went back to making babies and socializing with the king and queen. Jaquetta was born in 1445, named after her mother, Lionel, the next year, in 46, and Martha in 48. Jaquetta's close friendship with the queen prompted Queen Margaret to convince her husband, the king, to make Richard Woodville a baron. A baron was the lowest rung of the nobility ladder, but then he wouldn't be common. And it was really seen as more of an honorary title anyway. Nepotism from his friend, the king. Richard Woodville was made baron rivers. River. Mermaid? Coincidence? Probably, but I like to think it was her mermaid magic. Jaquetta had her ninth child in 1450 that she named Margaret, probably after her best friend, the Queen. That same year, Richard and Jaquetta's oldest son, Louis, died at the age of 12 from a fever. Martha was born the following year in 51, Jaquetta's tenth child. Despite the Woodvilles having an extraordinary amount of children, her friends, the king and queen, still had none. 1453 was a year to celebrate, until it wasn't. Both Jaquetta and her best friend, Queen Margaret, were pregnant, the latter after eight years of childless marriage. But then the king got some bad news. His troops in France had been completely expelled by the French army, and he fell into a catastrophic mental break, leaving him completely unresponsive. During this time, Jaquetta's oldest daughter, Elizabeth, was married at the age of 15 to 20-year-old Sir John Gray, a Lancastrian knight. He was the son of a baron and expected to be one after the death of his parents. She was described as the most beautiful woman in the island of Britain, with heavy-lidded eyes like those of a dragon. But we'll get back to her later. Stay tuned for the Elizabeth Woodville episode. Back to the pregnant Jaquetta and Margaret. I have no doubts that Queen Margaret leaned on her best friend during this time. Her husband was mentally unwell, and she was pregnant with her first child. Jaquetta, her best friend, was pregnant with her eleventh child. She had experience with this. With the king, still in his mental break, both women gave birth to baby boys. Jaquetta had Richard, named after his father, and Margaret had Prince Edward probably to remind people that he was descended from King Edward III. This was wonderful news for the queen, whose husband needed an heir, but her husband was still mentally unwell for the next year, and she would need support in the first year of her son's life. Chiquetta had another baby the next year, a little boy named Edward, probably in solidarity with her friend Margaret's first baby. Margaret's baby Edward was going to be king, and it was about to be a very popular name again. We are officially leaving the Henry years and going back to the Edward years, and then history will repeat itself, because the Edwards will again be derailed by a Richard, and then we'll get more Henrys, just like last time. The king came out of his catatonic state on Christmas Day, 1444. Even when the king regained his senses, the queen would have needed support. The king had been unhappy with how his cousin, Richard, Duke of York, had run the country in his mental absence, and everyone raised armies. This started the Wars of the Roses, as we know it now. Then it was called the Cousins' War, and this family feud for power would last thirty-two years. A year into this family feud, King Henry was captured by the York army. Chiquetta's husband was fighting on the side of the king, so... This would have been pretty major disappointment for the Woodvilles. Jaquetta was probably worried not only about her husband, but all about, also about her nephew, the captured king, and her friend, the queen, who was now in a rather diminished position. The Yorks were claiming the king was in no danger, that they supported him. It was just his advisors and his favorites they didn't approve of. This would have included Jaquetta and Richard Woodville. They would have been hoping against all hopes— that Henry could be restored to the throne, because without him, they were powerless to protect themselves from the Yorks. Even that didn't slow down the baby-making for the Woodvilles. Mary was born in 56, Catherine was born in 58. The Woodvilles had 14 children, only losing one, Louis, when he was about 12. This was extraordinarily unusual. Based on the infant mortality rate at the time, they should have lost two or three of their children in their infancy. The Woodvilles were hashtag blessed before hashtag blessed existed. If social media existed then, she would have been one of those moms who say, my hands aren't full, my heart is. I'm not throwing shade on those moms. Jaquetta seems like a cool chick. I would hang out with her. Her friend Margaret would have been hashtag girl boss. She managed to get back into an uneasy peace with the Yorks in 1459, with Henry back on the throne deciding that she should be the one in charge if her husband was ever incapacitated again. And he would be. Just like his grandfather, King Charles of France, he would struggle with his mental health for the rest of his life. This uneasy peace only lasted for two years, when Henry was dethroned again by the son of his old rival. That son became King Edward IV. This was bad news for the Woodvilles. On top of that, Jaquetta's oldest daughter was now a widow and mother of two at the age of 24. Her husband had died, fighting against the man that was now king. The Woodvilles were a Lancastrian family in a newly York world. That was a dangerous position to be in. The star show The White Queen picks up right here. I highly recommend it. It's very good. It's mostly about Jaquetta's daughter Elizabeth. But Jaquetta has a pretty major role in her daughter's life, and she makes many appearances. The White Queen portrays them as women who at least believe that they have some magical gifts, some mermaid power, that they use to protect their loved ones and hurt their enemies. This was a time when people believed in magical powers, but it wasn't a safe thing to admit to. Witchcraft could get you burned at the stake, and they would have been familiar With Joan of Arc. But word on the street was that they were descended from a French mermaid. The Woodvilles were in danger and Elizabeth Land's from her husband had been confiscated. He had fought and died for the losing side. You don't usually get rewarded for that. Elizabeth was back living with her parents and all of her siblings. With nothing else to lose, Elizabeth went to beg the king for aid when she heard he was in the area. We get into that full story in Elizabeth's episode, but the short version is that the 22-year-old king fell in love with the beautiful 27-year-old widow Elizabeth. They married in secret, just like her parents, and with just like that, the Woodvilles had some hope. While it was true that they had fought for the losing side, their daughter was now married to the new king. The marriage had been secret, but Jaquetta, along with two ladies-in-waiting, were present. Jaquetta kept the secret, potentially for up to a year. She didn't even tell her husband. She was good at secrets. Her daughter was the Queen of England, in secret, replacing Jaquetta's best friend as the old Queen of England. So awkward. This obviously put a lot of strain on Jaquetta and Margaret's friendship. By this point, their friendship was over. The Woodvilles fully pivoted and changed from a Lancastrian family to a York family, and just hoped people would forget about their old alliances. Eventually, the marriage would become public, and it made just about everyone angry. Marriage negotiations with the French had been taking place on the king's behalf, but oops, my guys, he's already married. My bad. The king's mother, Cecily, also had a real problem with his marriage. Her husband and son had died fighting the Lancastrians, and now those very same Lancastrians were at court and there were a lot of them. On top of that, her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth Woodville, daughter of a commoner, now outranked her as queen. Cecily, though the king's mother, had never been queen herself. She had to bow to the daughter-in-law she didn't even really like. Cecily felt that Elizabeth was her lesser, but feelings aren't the law, and legally she was the queen of England, whether Cecily liked it or not. Just two years into their daughter's marriage with the king, Jaquetta's husband Richard got a promotion, moving him from Baron Rivers to Earl Rivers. That moved him two rungs up on the noble ladder, skipping the rank of Viscount completely. Richard had started out not even noble. He had been gentry, and now he was like noble middle, middle management. I think it's not a coincidence that his rise in stature started when he married Jaquetta and increased when his daughter became queen. The change in regime seemed to be working out well for the Woodvilles. Even though Richard started fighting for the other side, that alone would have been difficult to survive, let alone being successful afterward. I don't don't know how they did it, quite frankly. I guess she was really, really beautiful. Jaquetta went to work arranging marriages with nobles to all of her remaining unmarried children, and there were a lot of them. This started to cause some problems with the other nobles. Even though Jaquetta was still a dowager duchess, she had that title from the old regime, and her children were the children of her second husband. Though technically noble, the Woodville children were considered by most of the old noble families as common, or at best, new money. And all of these Woodville children were taking up marriages from the children of the other nobles. Elizabeth and her husband, King Edward, were having children just as fast as her parents had. Jaquetta was done having babies, but still raising some of her younger children. I have no doubt that she was helping her daughter through all of these pregnancies and the stress of her royal life. Things had not been going perfectly. In 1469, Edward's old ally and cousin, Warwick, along with King Edward's brother, George, rebelled. They were displeased with Edward's choices, including his choice of wife and in-laws. Warwick's own daughters needed marriages, and they were getting lost in the flood of Woodvilles. The king's mother sided with Warwick and her son George. George was probably her favorite child. We get into that in Cecily's episode. And she didn't dislike George's wife the way she had disliked Edward's wife. And the king and queen still only had girls, so that made them more easily... Toppleable. I don't think that's a word. They only had girls. It was a weakness then. Warwick and George won, and King Edward was captured. Jaquetta's daughter, the queen, was unsure of her safety and pregnant again. She fled to Westminster Abbey, where she claimed sanctuary. During this fight for power, Jaquetta's husband, Richard, now 64, and her son, John, now 25, were captured by Warwick's forces and later executed without a trial. Jaquetta was arrested and charged with witchcraft. This was a very serious crime at the time and could get you burned at the stake. They claimed she and her daughter had used witchcraft to entrap King Edward. Jaquetta would have understood how scary this was. When she was a teenager, she would have heard of and maybe seen in person Joan of Arc, potentially even being there at her execution. And her sister-in-law, Eleanor Cobham, had also been accused of witchcraft. She had done her shame walks and then been put in prison for the rest of her life. Witchcraft charges were nothing to just shake off. Elizabeth, still in sanctuary, gave birth to her first son with her second husband, Prince Edward. Warwick and George failed to get enough support to officially depose King Edward, and neither one of them wanted to be the one that outright murdered the anointed King of England so he was released shortly after, going to his wife and meeting his baby son. The accusations against Jaquetta fell apart when her son-in-law was released and returned to his position as king. But Jaquetta and her daughter Elizabeth were not excited to forgive Warwick and George, after the death of Richard and John. They did make uneasy peace with George, because he was, after all, the king's brother, But they weren't about to forgive Warwick, who had been the ringleader of the whole rebellion, so they held him responsible. The following year, Chiquetta was cleared of all charges. Chiquetta then died two years later. In The White Queen, they portray her death as some kind of heart problem, but I don't know if that's accurate. The love of her life had just died three years before her, and it was likely she had a hard time living without him. She was survived by twelve of her fourteen children. These children included one queen, one duchess, two earls, three countesses, one bishop, one lord, a viscountess, and a baroness. Through her daughter Elizabeth, she was the grandmother of another queen and the great grandmother of King Henry VIII. She is also the ancestor of the current royal family of England. This is absolutely because of the part she played in her children's lives. She was probably a hard mother to have, but if she was your mother, she was probably also your biggest supporter. She was hashtag blessed. Twelve years after her death, she was again accused of witchcraft during the reign of her daughter's brother-in-law, the then King Richard III. And that is where we will leave it for now. What did you think of Jaquetta Woodville? As a teenager, she became a royal duchess. Then, following in old Queen Catherine's footsteps, she then married a commoner who worked in her household. They had a long and happy life together. Her oldest daughter, with her common husband, rose to the rank of Queen of England, and her other children also had their stations raised, mostly because of her effort in getting them good marriages. Without her, we wouldn't have any of the subsequent English royals, including Princes William and Harry. Do you think she thought she had some kind of magical powers? The legend says she was descended from a water goddess. Remember the mermaid? We'll probably never know what her thoughts on the subject were. It wasn't a safe thing to admit, even if she did believe the legend. This legend will even be more relevant when her daughter Elizabeth has her episode. She started a civil war on one side and successfully navigated her way to the top rungs of the other side. Her daughter, who we will get into in a later episode was also very strong, and it seems she got that from her mother. Also, she is the great-grandmother of Queen Elizabeth I, and I like to think some of her personality came from Jaquetta. You can share your thoughts with me at longlivethequeenpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at longlivethequeenpodcast. Long live to all the queens out there. And until next week, bye!